0: We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today.
1: I want you to turn with me to Matthew 25. We're going to read verses 31 through 46 in just a moment before we do. I want to kind of go to our anchor verse for this series. We've been talking about servanthood, what it means to serve. Uh, the Lord. And, and uh, like I said, uh, this is the last sermon I'm going to speak in this. I'm excited about where we're headed through the month of, De- of December. We're going to be talking about believe, what it means to believe. And so that we're going to get into next week. But this morning, we want to talk about a serving church. Uh, and when we talk about a church that serves, I'm talking about people. Look at somebody beside you and say, he's talking about us. Amen. If you are here, I'm talking to you. If you're a child of God, I'm talking to you. Our anchor verse for this series is found in the book of John, and it is a very powerful verse that Jesus shared in John 13, verse 15. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. And this he spoke of after he had washed the feet of the disciples. And this is what started this whole series, is that we must possess the heart of a servant. Jesus did this, and as we learned, in the middle of an argument with the disciples, we're arguing with each other who was the greatest. Who was the most blessed? Who was the greatest disciple? They're in the middle of this argument. Jesus gets a pan of water, and he girds himself with a towel, and he begins to wash their feet and there's just stunned silence I believe that they there was just they didn't know what to do this was an act that was uncommon of a rabbi to do to those who followed him and so he's washing their feet and then after he gets through he says now I've done this as an example I want you to be a servant I want you to learn to serve one another and so I want to talk to you what it means today about being a serving church and we're going to look at Matthew the 25th chapter and verses 31 through 46 I'm going to read that real quick and then we're going to jump into this. And when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, "'Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, "'or thirsty and give you drink? "'And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, "'naked and clothe you? "'And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you?' And the king will answer them. Answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did uh, did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, for you you cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick, in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister? to you and then he will answer them saying truly I say to you as you did not do it to the least of these you did not do it to me and these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life and these are some very terrifying scriptures for a early Sunday morning after Thanksgiving There, this isn't light reading these are the words of Jesus to, to his disciples and he's saying to them there will be a time when there is a judgment and a separation of the righteous and the unrighteous, those who have uh, uh, have been servants and those who have not been servants. And I want you to understand this morning that God is teaching us a few things in this. Today we're wrapping up this series on servanthood. First of all, I want I would I would like to say I do believe that this there must be a spirit of servanthood that grips our hearts the rest of this year and throughout the coming year and years in order to see the power of God. truly flow and move at harvest if we truly want to see freedom in the Holy Spirit we truly want to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation we truly want to see God moving God will work through servants God will work through those who have a servant's heart and if we want to see God move this is the the formula to see God move. It is possessing a servant's heart. Too many people think that they have to travel to foreign lands in order to serve, or it doesn't really count. Or the truth of the matter is, uh, people have a mindset that because they can't do elaborate service or they can't do the kind of service that they think they ought to be doing, then why do anything at all? They stay on the sidelines la- and they are content with coming to church as their only act of service. The truth is, coming to church this is a hard one, is not an act of service at all. Coming to church should be a part of how we equip ourselves to do the work of ministry and service. In other words, we think serving the Lord is coming to church. Serving the Lord is not coming to church. Serving the coming to church is equipping myself so that I can go do what God has called me to do. And God has called everybody within the sound of my voice to do something for the kingdom of God and to carry this gospel to a lost and dying world church is about equipping you not just it's not about service look at somebody and say you know what I'm not doing I'm not serving God in this place this morning by coming come on that's a long one say I'm not just by showing up serving God I came here come on look at him get you preaching everybody do this if you don't do it we're gonna be here a while say you have to move over for the second service Now point at somebody with your preaching finger and say, you know what I came here to do? I came to equip myself. Come on. Tell them, say, I came to equip myself so that I can do God's work. I came to get myself prepared so that I can go and do my work, I do God's work. Well, how is that happening Pastor, I'm just sitting here hearing you talk. I'm going to tell you how it happens. The Bible says it happens through faith, and faith comes through hearing, and hearing comes through the word of God. By hearing the word of God, I am equipping myself and building up my faith in order to take on next week's challenges in order to do what God has called me to do. So today, I want you to understand, just coming to church, that we, we have got that wrong. We think that's an act of service. It's not. Amen? Coming to church is equipping myself to serve. Ephesians 4.11, if you need Scripture to back that up, which I think you should, For Ephesians 4.11-16 Ephesians uh, says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And a lot of people read that, and they just mark it right off, and they think, well, that's talking to saints. That's that's blue-haired, gray-haired little old ladies and men. That's saints. Guess what? A saint of God is anyone that has been saved. Hmm. So you don't believe that. Why? Because we have gotten it in our head that saints are, are, are people who've got some mileage on them. Saints are not older Christians, saints are anyone that has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus is considered a saint of God. That doesn't mean a saint is perfect. And see, we equal that with perfection. A saint is someone who has been redeemed and is no longer a sinner. Look at somebody and say, I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint. Oh, see, some of y'all are scared to even say that to each other. I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint. Well, I'm a sinner. Well, there's an altar. You can fix that. Until we attain to the unity, okay, he goes on. Paul says, He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, He gave these four areas of ministry for what purpose? To slap each other on the back and say, "Good job, go go win the world, evangelists, go teach it, teach it." You know, guess what, folks? I'm going to tell you why He gave those four areas of ministry to equip the saints of God to do what? To do the work of the ministry. Without that equipping, we are not able to go serve. Amen. So God is equipping us. He says until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. He's saying he gave us these things that we might become mature in the faith. I'm going to tell you right now, I have met people in my ministry that have went to church their entire lives and they are still immature Christians. God is wanting us to mature in our faith. In other Words, he goes on, he says, What is the mark of maturity? We're going to see in just a minute. He goes in verse 14, he says, Why? So that they may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the cunning of human cunning and and, and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He's saying, Somewhere in this world, we've got to mature in our faith where we're not tossed around by every wind of doctrine, by everybody's teaching. Because I've got news for you. If you don't know the Word and you don't mature in the Word, somebody who is crafty and clever can lead you astray and lead you down a path that will lead you to hell. We better know the Word of God. We better grow to the point that we're ingesting the Word of God and we're living it out in our lives. Why? Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of clever counterfeits out there. There's a lot of clever counterfeits, and if we don't know the truth, then we will be led astray. Paul goes on and says, by their deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Everybody say, grow up. Amen. Look at somebody beside you and say, why don't you just grow up? Come on, get an attitude with them. Grow up in every way into who? Him. Who is the head into Christ for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it, which is, which it is equipped when, when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. How? In love. God's wanting this church to grow but not just numerically. He's wanting our love to get bigger. He's wanting our love to enlarge itself beyond just the group of people that we like to talk to. Come on. The people that we have a good connection with. You know, God is wanting you to connect with people you don't have a good connection with this year. God is wanting you to connect with people that you don't normally try to connect with. Why? That's why you need to be at the different things that we do at this church. It offers you connection. Amen? It offers you connection. It offers you that common ground in order to see God begin to put you and build you up in Him and build you up in in, in one another. What I'm trying to say to you is that we've got to pay attention to and obey the Word of God if we're going to learn to serve the way that God wants us to serve. If we're going to serve and have a servant's heart, we've got to learn to pay attention to the Word of God and obey it. One of our church's vision statements, and we got many of them. Now, our main vision statement is Matthew 28, which is to go to the whole world to, uh, uh, preaching the gospel. We we have, that is the that is the mission that should be the mission statement of every church. God gave us a mission statement, and before He left this earth, He said, "Guess what? I want you to go to the whole world." And I want you to, t- to, 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 to preach the gospel, teaching them to deserve all things that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. That was his vision. But, but we have some vision statements that play off of that. And one of the vision statements that I love the most that we have around here is love God, love people. Love God, love people. And this is based upon the scripture that says what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And Jesus said the second commandment is so close so very close, and it is to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, he's saying you can't love me and not love people, and you can't love people and it not love me. Amen. They're connected with one another. He said on these two hangs all the law and the prophets. He's saying everything in this book hinges upon loving God and loving people. Amen. And I love that. I love we say that. I love that we share that. But I want to put an addition to that this morning. Is that all right? I want to put an addition to, uh, to Love God, Love People. Seek God, share Christ, and serve others. Oh, I'm going to say that again because that is so good. I thought so. Look at somebody and say, seek God, share Christ, and serve others. Amen. That should be the driving passion of our lives, to seek God, share Christ, and to serve others. Let me remind you that the only way that the church will fulfill this purpose or its purposes is when we are fulfilling those purposes as individuals. Amen? I don't get credit for Raven fulfilling those purposes. Okay, I, I don't get to sit back and say, you know what, I can do what I want because at least Paige is doing, the, you know, at least she's seeking God, she's sharing Christ, amen, and she's serving others. Thank God for her because, you know what, we're part of the same congregation, so that I get credit, right? Absolutely not. It's an individual challenge this morning. It is individual that all of us have been called to seek God, amen. Oh my goodness! To seek God, I, I I I got a message in the works. I don't know when I'll do it, but it's 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 it's, it's actually just called Seeker. I want I, where have where are the people who seek God anymore? Have you got all God you want? Are you good with that? Is that enough to get you by? I've got news for you. I want to be a seeker of God. I don't want to be content at where I'm at. I want to constantly seek God in my life, to seek his guidance, his direction. And then more than that, I want to also share Christ. Amen? I want to share the Lord with people. I don't want to just look, and sharing the Lord is not pulling somebody to aside. God help me, I'm going to get on some toes this morning. It's not just looking at somebody and saying, well, if you were to die tonight, I I think that's okay. But really, if you're challenging them with the gospel, then leaving them, you know, kind of out there in the wind. And there's more to, to sharing Christ than me just challenging somebody whether they're going to heaven and hell. Is sharing with them the story of my life, my transformation, what God did for me. Well, you don't understand. Some of the parts of my story are so dark and shameful, I don't want to share them. God didn't say you couldn't share a PG version of a rated R story. Amen. He didn't say you had to share every dark detail. But I'm going to tell you right now, I can share that I was once in darkness and headed to sin. I was once here, and God has brought me here. And I'm not perfect, but he's still working on my life. That is the gospel, and you and I have to tell the story of Jesus. What has he done in your life? well, let me tell you about Peter. Well, I'm glad God saved Peter, aren't you? I'm thankful I can read about that. But guess what this world wants to know? What's he done in Heath's life? What's the gospel of Heath have to say today? What's the, what, what's the gospel of Phyllis or Larry say? What, 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 what is, what is the, the, the gospel of Adam this morning? Where were you before you met Jesus? I don't know this morning, but I want you to take a moment and just close your eyes in this building. I want to. Th- I want you to think of where you were and where you would be if you had not met Jesus right now. I want you to think about that. And once you think about where he's brought you from, if you got a praise, you can jump to your feet and praise God. I don't care. You can just celebrate a moment. When you think about where the Lord has brought you from and what he has brought you, oh my goodness, what he's brought me out of. Mm. share Christ, share Christ, and then what? Serve others. Let me remind you that this is fulfilled individually. Not corporately alone, individually. While this is a corporate vision statement and purpose, it hinges upon each Christ follower that is in this congregation committing themselves to carrying out this scriptural purpose and vision. That we will live our lives to truly, yes, love God and love people, but that now we will seek God, share Christ, and serve all those around us to the best of our ability. I want to share with you just a simple little point, a couple of simple points today out of Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. 46. Point number one is what was not taught in Matthew 25:31 through 46. These paragraphs, paragraphs do not teach that salvation is based upon doing good works. You could casually read these verses and possibly come to the conclusion that that is the case. however, this is not the sufficient uh, uh, dissection of this verse. This is, the truth of it is simply this, works alone is not sufficient to get you to heaven. Doing good things, there are secular people that do a far better job at serving than the church. Come on. There there are secular charities that do a far better job at, at reaching people than we do sometimes. Okay so service alone does not get you there. This is not the me- uh, this is not the message uh, of these words of Jesus. No one has uh, ever been ever, has never been saved or ever will be saved by good works. There's no good works you can do that's going to get you to heaven. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, you don't know. I preach. Well, big deal. I know preachers that are going to split hell wide open because they preach on Sunday and then they're living like the world Monday through Saturday night. They're doing all kinds of ungodly things behind closed doors and they have preaching not as a calling but as a profession. Now, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's the case. And I'm going to give you some scripture about what what's going to happen with them, folks. There are people that can serve in as deacons. There are people who can serve in the church as teachers and, 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 and hold office and ministry and still, guess what? It's, you can fool people, but you will never fool God. You can fool people, amen, but you will never fool God. The Bible clearly teaches that it is by grace and grace alone that we have been saved through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 teaches us, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, not your works. It is the gift of God, not a result. Verse 9, you got to hear this. Not a result of your works. It's not what you're doing. So that no one can boast. In other words, there's nobody here that can say, I've done enough service that I qualify for heaven. Oh my goodness, if that was the case, then why would Jesus die on a cross? Why would God send his son to spill his blood and be tortured to death if all I had to do is acts of service to make it to heaven? But yet every Sunday, every Sunday, churches all over the world are filled with people who think that this act of service, which isn't even an act of service, I already told you that, is what's going to get them to heaven. Guess what? You can go to church. You can join every church in the community and in the world and still go to hell. It is not anything that you have done that has qualified you for heaven. It is not anything I have done that has qualified me for heaven. It is by the blood that was shed for me on Calvary's cross that I have been qualified to go to heaven. I've been redeemed. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. I am saved not because of myself, but because of the selfless act of God himself. That's why I'm saved this morning. It is not through our works. Do not be confused into thinking that if you go to uh, go to uh, just do a bunch of things, you're going to get into heaven. Don't be deceived into believing that your good deeds are sufficient enough. Look again at Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles and then I will tell them plainly I never knew you. Away from you, you evildoers. That's a hard passage to swallow because immediately we think, Am I, can, can I preach this morning or do we just come to get early service out of the way so we can go do what we want? Don't hold on to early service for too long. We may be getting the family back together here shortly. We got to do something, folks. Too many strangers in the house. Come on. If we're going to move towards God, we got to move towards unity. Amen. There's this mindset. That if someone comes into this room today and I cast the demon out of them, then I must be a man of God. There's this mindset that if somebody comes forward and Jacob lays hands on them and Maddie and they're healed, they must be a man and woman of God. There's this mindset in thinking that all the miracles, signs, and wonders that are done through someone oh, my goodness. I feel preach coming on because I'm going to tell you something. God moved through a donkey. He doesn't need me and he doesn't need you. And I'm going to tell you, if anybody's healed, they're healed by the power of Jesus. If anybody's delivered, they're delivered through the power of Jesus. And there are people that are, that, that are being delivered, but the messenger is false. And God's going to call them out on that day. And they're going to have the guts and the audacity to stand before a living God and read their resume. Oh, God, help us. They're going to have the audacity to try to prove their worth to him of why my works should qualify me to go to heaven. I got news for you. I do not rejoice this morning because the demons are subject to me, and they are in Jesus' name. I do not rejoice because I know the effectual fervent of the a prayer of a righteous man availeth much and people can be healed. I rejoice because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Not by my works, but by the work of Jesus himself. I wonder if anybody else can rejoice over what Jesus did for them. What Jesus accomplished for them. that he could not stand the thought of not being connected to us. And sin had broke the connection. Be careful thinking your works will get you there. The Bible says, if the righteous be scarcely saved, what of the sinner? The word righteous means obedient. So if the obedient ones are, are scarcely saved... I'm going to use my daddy's old phrase. When he would use that scripture, he'd get to preaching and he'd say, that means by the skin of your teeth. I didn't even know teeth had skin. <laughs> it's a good southern phrase, isn't it? The skin of your teeth. It says, if, you bis- if the most righteous, obedient person you know barely, is just barely making it in, what of those who are riding the fence and playing all these games? I'm sorry, some of us have bought into a lying doctrine That once we got it, we're good. We can just live any way we want. But the Bible is very clear that our life must produce the fruit of righteousness, the salvation. It must produce it. I can't hop from bed to bed and go to heaven. I can't hop in one bed and not be married to that person and go to heaven. That's just the scripture. I can't live in a same sex relationship and go to heaven. God y'all getting quiet on me because we are allowing a devil's doctrine to penetrate our minds. Well, boys will be boys and girls will be girls. Yeah, but guess what? Through the power and the grace of God, I can control myself till I get married. And if you can't control yourself, I'm going to invite you to an altar this morning. I didn't come here to get beat up after Thanksgiving. Oh, you got, look, I got news for you. I'm not beating you up. I'm trying to help you this morning. And I'm telling you, there's a lying devil's doctrine that has creeped into the body of Christ. And it is teaching false truth. And people are swallowing it that I'm okay just because I go to church every now and then or I'm okay because I say praise the Lord or I pray on my way to work. I've got news for you. You're not okay until you have found a place of repentance. You have cried out to Jesus. If you want a move of God, then cry out to Jesus this morning. He'll work in your life. Amen. He'll work in your life. He'll change your situation. Yes, he will. Mm. Mm. I'm gonna keep going. And a world in a society that is driven by an Oprah Winfrey style spirituality, and it is, because she is very new age, it is really easy to fall prey to a thinking that that thinking uh, uh, that teaches that everybody's good. You ever heard that? Everybody's good. They just, you know, make bad decisions, but everybody's good. Actually, the Bible says that everybody is evil. Till they meet Jesus, they're evil. Till he saves you from your sin, you're evil. Oh my goodness. But she everybody's good. Everybody's decent at heart, decent people. That all we've got to do is is find the good within us. You ever heard that? All we gotta do is be kind. I got news for you. You can be kind to everybody and still go to hell because you're not saved. You got to be saved. In an interview with a New Age author, Gary Zachary, Oprah stated, I believe that life is eternal, she said. I believe that it takes on other forms, she told uh, Zachary. I am a a creation's daughter. I am more than just a physical self. I am more than just a job that I do. I am more than an external definition that I have given myself. Those are all extensions of who I define myself to be. But ultimately, I am spirit. Comes from a greatest spirit. I am spirit. That sounds good on the surface, but guess what? What? while this type of talk may sound right it is cloaked and it is a deceptive doctrine that is that people are falling into in other words find the good within yourself find the inner power within yourself just believe in yourself see where this is going it's all about you do good uh, to your fellow man and help him find good within Himself, Oprah once said, stand still inside yourself and know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the Bible says, for who the Son is set free is free indeed. The Bible has said, be still and know that what? He said, not that I am God, but that He is God. I want you to understand there is a damnable doctrine that has penetrated the body of Christ. The body of Christ has got to do something about it. we got to start preaching the truth. And if we dwindle down to 10, I would rather have 10 people that want to hear the truth because I take very seriously one day I will stand and hold account for your soul I will hold account for that all this sounds good, but is it contrary is in contrast to 2 Corinthians 11:14, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. That's what the Bible says. Satan himself is masquerading as an angel of light. Oprah also once said, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe that there is only one way when actually there are many diverse paths that lead to God. This is all taken from Christi- an article in Christianity today. The problem with that is it is in direct contrast to the gospel of John verse 14 or chapter 14 verse 16 which Jesus said to him Jesus said to this man I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me Know the Bible cuz they're going to tell you something some of these things sound good When they throw God in there and they throw Jesus in there and they throw spirit, be careful because not every spirit is the Holy Spirit. Not every God is the one true God. And not every Christ is the real Christ. Some are a false Christ, an antichrist. Be careful, church. Be careful. There's a problem when people contrast this because I'm going to tell you, it didn't say Jesus was a way, a truth, a life. It says he is the way, the truth, the life. Later on, Jesus would declare, I am the door. I'm the only door in. You want to go to heaven? He's the only way to heaven. You can go hike the Himalayas. You can go do everything you want to do. Every religion in this world, you've got to go do something to get God's tradition. You know what? One of my favorites is this that if I'm really good and I live enough lives, lives plural, you know, I don't come back as a grasshopper. I'll come back as a better person in a wealthier state or whatever. If I live and not through enough lifetimes, maybe one day I'll get so holy I'll reach nirvana, and nirvana is a state of nothing. Anybody want to live to be nothing? When Jesus says, if you live for me and you believe in me, one day, you will be with me forever, and you will celebrate on the new heaven in the new heaven, and you'll live on the new earth. I've got news for you. There's a life coming that is far greater than anything this world can can ever dream of. And my heaven will never be this current place. My heaven is wherever Jesus is. Wherever Jesus is. All right, we're wrapping it up. The point is that many people strongly believe that they're doing good deeds and for others is their ticket to heaven. All you got to do is find the good that is deep down inside yourself and let it come out. Matthew 25 does not teach this, nor will you find it taught anywhere else in the Bible. One of the things that Jesus makes abundantly clear in those, who know, those that know him, that the sheep on his right, he refers to, will be known by the fact that they spent their lives in service to him. The king will say to those on his right, Come to me, blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. God will separate his obedient followers from the pretenders and the unbelievers. That's what he's saying. He will separate the pretenders and the unbelievers from the genuine article. The real evidence of our belief is the way we act. To treat all persons we encounter as if they were Jesus is not an easy task. Come on, folks. I I have a hard time with that one. Anybody else? Oh, no, not me. When I'm getting blessed out, I just think, that's Jesus blessing me out. When I get flipped off going out the parking lot, I think, oh, well, that must be Jesus. I'm going to treat treat everyone as Jesus. That's a tough thing. And when I treat them as Jesus, I love them the way that I ought to love Jesus, and I'm here to tell you it's loving some difficult people. If you want to find a way to love difficult people, treat them like Jesus. That's the only way I can do it. Yeah, don't get all holy on me. I went through holidays too. I go through things too. I deal with family too. Amen. everybody got that one family member? They're like, mm. I heard they were sick. They're not coming, right? And they show up. Loving some people is very difficult. It is. And I've found that I can't love certain people in my flesh. It's just impossible. Come on. I'm the only one in this room who has a hard time loving certain people. The only way I can truly do that is to love them as a, and realize... When I minister to the least of these, I'm ministering to Him. When 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 I when I give the person that I can't hardly breathe because of the stench, a little help, I'm doing it to Jesus. When I reach down and I I, I, I feed someone that can't feed themselves, I can't they, they they have no ability to buy food or they have no ability, no shelter. We're doing it to the least of these. Last weekend, me and Joseph, we got to help somebody out a little bit after church. and um, It's not easy sometimes. And then the Lord brought me to what I was going to preach today. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Will you stand? The real evidence of our belief is the way that we act and we treat people the real evidence of our, our servant's heart is how we engage people, not just in the church walls, but outside the church walls. What we do for others demonstrates what we really think about Jesus. Oh. Feed the hungry, give to the homeless, I put, give the homeless a place to say, look after the sick. How well do your actions separate you from the pretenders in this world? You see, there's a lot of people that can come to church and shout and praise God visibly. The, the Pharisees loved that, by the way. Jesus said very plainly, he says, they love to be heard when they pray, standing in the streets and in the synagogues and in the temple. He said, they love to be heard. They love their, the, the, for people to hear their eloquent prayers, their eloquent words. He said, but for their many words, they'll never be heard. What God needs out of us is a genuine heart. A heart that says, God, this week I haven't been the best person in the world, but I still love you. And through your grace, will you forgive me? I want to keep going forward. You see, God's not looking for more holy people. He's looking for more people that are honest and transparent and real, that know that there is nothing good in us, but there is a lot of good that God wants to do through us. Jeremiah 18 says that Jeremiah traveled to the potter's house, and there he watched the potter making a work on the wheel. And the work had become marred in his hands, so he tore it down, and he made it a new work. as seemed good to the potter to make it. God's wanting to do a new thing in your life. Will your vessel be flawed? Absolutely. Is mine flawed? Absolutely. But every day, oh my goodness, God put me on the wheel. Change me so that I can be used of you. If we're going to see revival, if we're going to see the work of God like we've never seen it before, we must possess a servant's heart. We must possess a servant's spirit, a servant attitude. We must show this world Jesus through our actions, not just our words. That's tough. That's tough. And I must realize that my actions does not equal heaven. So why do I do things for God? For we are fellow laborers together with Christ. And as I do these things, I'm washing the feet of Jesus. That's why he said, I've set the example. I'll do this to one another.
0: We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryanhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryanhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.